0: Welcome to Immunotherapy Talks with ACIR. Reading research can be complicated, but it doesn't have to be. ACIR digests the latest in cancer immunotherapy research into bite-sized pieces to help you stay on top of the field. I'm Ute Burkhardt.
1: And I'm Nathan Souk. In this podcast, we'll discuss important and current questions in cancer immunology and in immunotherapy. So this week, we have an interesting paper. It's a biomaterial-based vaccine that elicits durable tumor-specific responses against acute myeloid leukemia. So this was published in January 2020 in Nature Biomaterial Engineering by first co-authors Nassarik Shah and Alex Najibi, and lead authors David Skadden and David Mooney.
0: This is a mouthful. Can you give us a quick abstract?
1: Yeah, sure. So they use a nanomaterial to deliver GMCSF and CPG, both of which are APC-stimulating agents, as well as AML antigens. And all this combination is a vaccine that can kill AML cells and cure mice.
0: That's interesting. Using biomaterials to induce an immune response and or deliver immunotherapeutics to certain lymphatic organs and to improve the robustness and durability of an elicited response is a concept that is also studied by others. Work that comes to mind includes that of Daryl Irvine at MIT. He resembles a lot of different adjuvants on different nanomaterials that can improve the immunotherapy response. So what makes this paper's approach interesting?
1: Great question. So this paper is interesting for a few reasons. First, it's more uncommon to study vaccines in liquid tumors like AML. And so AML is known for overexpressing the WT1 antigen. And in fact, there have been clinical trials which have used WT1 as a peptide uh, target um, as for vaccines. And it has shown some early efficacy. And so this paper expands on this because they not only show that their WT1 peptide plus cryogel vaccine results in tumor regression, but also that cryogel vaccine with chemo also causes regression. And so in other words, it's in the absence of a defined antigen, they can still induce tumor regression. And so this would be classic in situ vaccination, which is interesting. And I think the second uh, interesting thing about this paper is that, uh, and actually what is most impressive and exciting to me, is that it's actually using biomaterials to engineer basically a lymph node-like structure. And so in this study, the tumor is in the blood Whereas the crowd gel material is injected in the animal's flank, and so they're spatially separated. And if the crowd gel is able to uh, start a tumor response, it's basically, um, you know, it's somehow getting the tumor antigens from the blood.
0: Yes, that's super interesting. Um, using materials to engineer and design a lymph node-like structure in an ectopic location is a pretty innovative idea. Whenever people talk about nanomaterials, biomaterials, and truck delivery, they usually do it for reasons like decreasing systemic exposure and toxicity, co of bioactive agents to deliver in a single payload, or sustained release over time.
1: Exactly. To be provocative, they're essentially using biomaterials to create a new lymph node-like structure.
0: I think another interesting point in is the nature of AML, which they study in this paper. AML is a malignancy with limited therapeutic options that mainly impacts older people and has a poor prognosis. There has been past work that focused on AML vaccines against single antigens like uh, WT1, but additional work has vaccinated against AML with undefined antigens. For example, David Avigan has done work where AML tumor cells were unmasked loaded onto DCs in the laboratory and then delivered back to the patient, presenting a broad array of undefined antigens as targets. This current work we'll t- talk about today takes this one step further. Still in the mouse though, by using in vaccination to stimulate This non specific immune response uh, using the tumor cells in the mouse.
1: Great. So it sounds like a good time to bring in our guest today, Alex Najibi, co first author on this paper, and he'll tell us more about all these innovative approaches after the break.
0: Immunotherapy Talks is our new podcast at ACIR. If you love our show and would like to become a sponsor, email us at contact In the meantime, follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram to take a sneak peek at our next topics and guests. So uh, welcome, Alex, and nice to see you again. Uh, I'm very proud to say that uh, as many of ACIR's readers will recognize, Alex is a freelance writer for ACIR and a regular contributor to our weekly newsletters. And we've been working together for over two years now. Welcome, Alex.
2: Thank you, Ute. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure writing for ACIR and i um, excited to be on the podcast.
1: Great. So, Alex, for our listeners who don't know you, can you tell us a bit about yourself and uh, what you're doing right now.
2: Sure. So I'm a PhD student at Harvard's School of Engineering and Applied Sciences, studying bioengineering. Um, I'm in David Mooney's laboratory, where I'm working on the intersection between biomaterials and cancer immunotherapies. Um, I'm originally from California, uh, and a bit of fun stuff about me And in my free time. I enjoy basketball and hiking and outdoor stuff.
0: Oh yeah, there are really a lot of great places to hike around Boston. So we are meeting today to talk about your paper about the biomaterial-based vaccines. So maybe you can tell us a bit about like, what has um, inspired the work, where did the idea come
2: from? Yeah, of course. So um, in the Mooney Laboratory where I work, um, the idea of using biomaterials at a macro scale for immunotherapy has been explored for some decades now, actually. And there was this original version of a polymer-based cancer vaccine, which is this porous scaffold that can release uh, immune modulatory components in a controlled manner and also recruit immune cells uh, to activate them against particular cancer antigens. And so the idea behind this work uh, kind of stemmed from that history using biomaterials. Um, But it was really spearheaded by a former postdoc in our lab, Nisarg Shah, who is now Um, an assistant professor in nanoengineering at UC San Diego. And he had an expertise uh, both with the materials, um, working together with me in the Mooney lab, uh, but also uh, working in Dr. David Scadden's lab um, at the Harvard Stem Cell Institute. And so they have a lot of background and expertise in hematopoietic cells, um, both in terms of hematopoietic transplants as well as cancers. And so kind of the natural intersection of these two areas was that we applied the biomaterial cancer vaccine to a liquid tumor for the first time and decided to Mm -hmm. explore it in the setting of leukemia.
0: Mm -hmm. That's very interesting, right? So like um, some approaches uh, we've seen before are uh, where people would use such an approach in a peritumor setting, right? In In a solid tumor setting, um, so maybe you can tell us a little bit about the major findings of, of the study.
2: Yeah, of course. Um, so first of all, uh, we, we saw that in a prophylactic setting, um, the, the gel material delivering uh, GMCSF, which is a myeloid or DC chemoattractant, um, along with CPG, um, a TLR agonist to activate them, uh, as well as uh, aml associated antigens in the form of either a peptide of wt one which is uh, uh, an antigen overexpressed on AML cells or with AML cell lysates, uh, those were able to prevent AML outgrowth in a prophylactic setting uh, but more excitingly, we saw that uh, in mice that already had established leukemia, we could treat them with a combination of chemotherapy mimicking uh, the the patient regimens that are given in the clinic and While the chemotherapy alone could be effective in the short term in reducing the AML burden, eventually all mice relapsed. But if we gave the vaccine in addition to the chemotherapy, we could effectively prevent relapse in this model. So Mm -hmm. we thought that was really exciting and and one of the major findings. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: So so what do you think um, the relevant antigens in the whole tumor lysate cryogels are, um, so usually, um, when you think of AML, you think of a, a low uh, tumor, um, a mutational burden tumor. And um, so what, what do you think um, the antigens that play a role here could be?
2: Right. I, I think that's an interesting question because, um, of course, like cell lysates have been explored in the clinic in terms of dendritic cell vaccines, for example. And I think it's not always fully understood what the specific antigens are. Um I think in our case WT1 is definitely one that's contributing to an effect even in the the lysate case because we do see through tetramer staining and restimulation against WT1 peptide that the vaccine with AML lysates lead to leads to WT1 specific responses for sure. Um but I don't think that's the whole story. We've also seen in some experiments that there's some evidence of antigen spreading, so we had uh, treated some mice with chemotherapy plus the vaccine against WT1 peptide, uh, not the lysates in this case, uh, and collected AML cells from the treated mice and saw in fact that there was a broad, a broad down regulation of a variety of AML associated antigens. Uh, mm-hmm. WT1 the most strongly, of course, but it seems that there's more going on as well. So that's a good question and one that we're not entirely sure of.
0: Mm-hmm. So what were the other antigens that you saw downregulated in the AML cells?
2: In this panel, we had looked at gene expression of a variety of AML-associated antigen um, and saw that some others that were downregulated were, of course, WT1, but also HoxA9, um, MAGE, PRM are just some other examples of a WT1-associated antigens.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, and the whole table of this is in our supplementary, so there's there's a lot more information there as well.
0: So Alex, you've also tested um, the cryogel like in an antigen-free version with uh, just a chemotherapy regimen and saw a complete control of the tumors. So that's a very surprising finding. Maybe you want to comment on this?
2: Yes, definitely. Um, this was actually, I think, the most surprising finding of the work and not something we had expected at all initially. So uh, typically in our... Uh, treatment condition, we had given mice bearing leukemia, Uh, we gave them chemotherapy, and then the cryogel vaccine. And the protection was great in that case. Um, And so we decided as one control to see the effect of the antigen alone, so whether we included WT1 peptide or not in the vaccine. And very surprisingly, it seemed that the survival was actually identical whether or not WT1 peptide, uh, the, the antigen, was in the vaccine. So, of course, we were really surprised by this um, and did some more looking into it. And what we think is happening is that we saw recruitment of leukemia cells into the gel itself, actually, um, as well as to local draining lymph nodes. And so what we think is happening is that uh, chemotherapy is able to kill those leukemia cells in that environment. Um, And some evidence for this is that they expressed high levels of apoptotic markers, um, and this is an environment where dendritic cells are already highly concentrated and activated by the vaccine. Uh, so we think that the chemotherapy is actually creating an in-situ vaccination effect and producing uh, cancer antigen directly from the recruited AML cells.
0: Mm-hmm. That's very interesting. So do you have any insight on what kind of um, dendritic cells might be involved in that um, process?
2: Yeah, that's that's a really good question. Um, we... We haven't looked specifically into DC subsets. Um, That's definitely some ongoing work in our lab actually actually is to figure out which subsets of dendritic cells are involved in this response. Uh, So that's that's an active area of work.
1: So when we look at that, uh, when you describe that last finding, when you're saying that you're using this cryogel vaccine without any antigen and you're giving chemotherapy and you're still able to see as good tumor control as you would if you included the antigen it sounds like basically it's a, as you described it's like in situ vaccination but in the context of a liquid tumor that's that's kind of interesting to us because you know like i think this was kind of what Uta was getting at at the beginning when she was talking about we usually talk about in situ vaccination in the context of solid tumors like why did you guys decide to use a liquid tumor in this case
2: yeah. So that, that's a good point. Yeah. Most of the work here it, with these in situ 2 vaccination approach has been definitely been with solid tumors. Um, I think the liquid tumor is, is really interesting. We had initially decided to pursue it, um, just because most of the work had done with, with solid tumors actually. And it wasn't actually our initial intention to try this in situ 2 approach. That was just something that we happened to discover when we had a, this control along the way. Um, And so typically, I think the way to compare the two cases is that we we try to think of chemotherapy localizing with the tumor in a solid tumor setting, killing those tumor cells and releasing antigen. Um, In our case, the liquid tumor is already circulating within the blood. And so a systemic chemotherapy can actually be very effective in simply just killing a lot of those cells. Um, What we're not entirely sure about is by what mechanism the AML cells were arriving within cryogels. Um, it, it's possible that this is just passive recruitment through the blood vessels. Perhaps they're attracted by the GMCSF, as they are myeloid cells. Um, but that's something we're still thinking about as to how exactly that works.
1: Because I remember you had a uh, another control where you just put the cryogel by itself without chemotherapy, and that did not result in regression, right?
2: Right. and And I think the big difference there is that Uh, the chemotherapy is critical in simply just killing off the majority of the AML cells. Um, And in fact, in the clinic, standard chemotherapies alone are actually very effective in in initially reducing the burden of disease, but then the problem comes later when uh, many patients ultimately relapse. And so I think that's the big strength of the cryogel vaccine here is that by combining this immunological uh, memory and response, you can actually Sustain the, the response to the chemotherapy.
1: Wow. That's really cool. Because, so then you think that because if you're including the immune, uh, the chemotherapy, do you think that it's the cells that are being recruited to the crowd gel? So like AML cells, or do you think it's AML cell debris that's being attracted to the, uh, crowd gel? Or does it not matter? Or what do you think?
2: Oh, that, that's a good question. Um, to be honest, I don't know if it would matter as long as the antigens are ending up in the right place. Uh, but when we characterize this, we did see live AML cells within the gels. So there definitely is recruitment of live cells. Um, I don't know to what extent debris is recruited, but that could be an interesting idea.
1: Because when we think about it like that, it sounds like if a, if you see AML cells in the gel itself, it sounds like the gel is basically acting like a lymph node. Would you say that's true?
2: That's an interesting point for sure. Um, I think this work in the past has been called um, like a, the cryogels generating an ectopic lymph node. And so I can see why some may say that because we do have recruitment of immune cells. We have antigens uh, and adjuvants within that environment. And it is a 3D structure containing these immune cells. Uh, but I think one major difference between our cryogel and the, the typical lymph nodes we think of is that I don't expect that, there's, that the cryogel is acting as a site where antigen-presenting cells can be recruited, take up antigen, and then traffic to the draining lymph nodes to prime T cells in that environment. Um, so I think it's an interesting point in that we do have plenty of immune cell diversity within the gel itself. Uh, but lymph nodes are such a complex organ that I, I don't know if we can say that we're really uh, mimicking it, and nor even is that our, is our our goal here, actually, I don't think. But that's an interesting point.
1: okay. so you so you would hesitate from calling this a lymph node because you don't think that T cells are actually being primed inside it.
2: yeah, i I think. At this stage, uh, given how complex and well-organized lymph nodes are, uh, and the, like the very involved chemical and biological processes that occur within them, um, I think it would it wouldn't be appropriate to call it a lymph node at this stage. Um, but the use of using biomaterials to generate tertiary lymphoid organs is a is an interesting uh, idea and and definitely one that has, has been explored. So what would you be comfortable calling these? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I I would hesitate away from the term lymph node in general, I guess. Maybe like uh, ectopic immune niche. Niche, I think, would be a good word to describe this, as it's just sort of a 3D environment for cell recruitment. Um, But yeah, in terms of calling it uh, a lymph node specifically, I think we're still a far distance.
1: I see. So then do you see a place for these ectopic immune niches in other cancers uh, besides for leukemia? Do you think it's a phenomena specific to AML or what do you think?
2: Yeah, well, I think the the basic idea of having this 3D microenvironment that can deliver CPG or GMCSF or really whatever combination of factors you want to put in. Um, we have in the lab shown results of in an, in another paper, we use this same strategy in breast cancer and have used it in melanoma, for example. Uh, so I think that can be interesting. Um, if you're referring to the recruitment of AML cells into the, um, the gel, that we're not sure of. As I was mentioning, that was a pretty surprising finding with the leukemia already. Um, so I think there's a lot of room for exploration there. And so Especially with other forms of blood cancer, I think that could be very interesting to think about.
1: Right, and and I think uh, to to me that was one of the when we had talked previously that was one of the most interesting parts of uh, of the paper uh, in the sense of you know the crowd gel attracting. Uh, aml cells is like a very unique property and then you had even mentioned like for example things like this could be used in things like liquid biopsy right or um uh you know those kinds of strategies to attract tumor cells
2: yeah i think that could be a really exciting application of this if we can sustainably use the device to attract circulating cancer cells that could be getting obtaining a biopsy through that means could be very interesting
0: So Alex, do you see like some effect on the immunosuppressive tumor microenvironment with the chemotherapy treatment?
2: Uh, Yeah, so we haven't investigated it in extreme detail. What we've seen so far is simply a reduction in Treg cells, um, which we we take to be a sign of a reduction in suppression in the environment. Um, But Mm -hmm. also importantly is that we saw with chemotherapy alone um, that a huge role of the chemotherapy is simply to debulk a lot of the leukemia cells that are present within the bone marrow. Um, and just mm-hmm. that alone should reduce crowding in the space, um, potentially support CDAT cell function and help them against the residual leukemia cells just by taking away the bulk of the, the cells there.
1: Mm-hmm. Last question for me is that, are you taking this approach to the clinic And uh, is this ready for translation, or are you guys thinking about translation?
2: Yeah, of course. So that's something we're, of course, very excited about. That that's always the goal with this kind of work that we do. That we hope to see it one day translated uh, to treating patients, and that's certainly what's motivated me throughout this process. Um, I can't promise anything right now in terms of the path we're on, but that's something we're hoping to do, and um, may still require some optimization of the appropriate doses uh, for, for humans um, and, and which antigens to include, as well as the relative timing of chemotherapy and immunotherapy, I think could also be better uh, fine-tuned as well. Um, the earlier version of this vaccine uh, in treating melanoma has been in a clinical trial and may have some results soon, and we're excited about that. Uh, so yeah, we're very hopeful about this and, and would love to see it in uh, clinical uh, use.
0: Well, that sounds super exciting. Alex, thank you so much for being our guest on the show and for sharing your research uh, with us. Many thanks to Gaia Lambi who produced and edited this episode. And um, if you are interested in becoming a sponsor for Immunotherapy Talks, email us at contact at ACIR.org.